watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, besides being off your microphone management game today, how are you? Wow. You know, uh, no, I'm good. It's, uh, it's Wednesday. Nope. Yeah, it is Wednesday. You're right. It's fine. <laughs> it's Wednesday. I, I'm fine. I'm, uh, borderline overwhelmed, uh, professionally. I've got a project that some of you guys may know about called Foster, aka Foster Watch Company that is getting very close to crunch time. And that's been a lot. I'm doing things I've never done before. A lot of butt stuff. Um, <laughs> a lot of butt stuff. No, I've, I've been doing that for years. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, things, things that you don't really think about, like designing inserts for packaging and, um, you know, there's just, there's just a lot of things. There's a lot of things and that's been stressful because it's an extra, right? It's in addition to but it's everything else. Also so important. S- super important. Right. Like, and I think it's often overlooked by watch brands is like, I, I'm totally like when I got my Commandersky, it came in a small cardboard box that was mm-hmm. squished. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like No frills. Yeah, I mean, you're getting what you're paying for in that situation. But, you know, you buy a Speedmaster Pro, it comes in like a $1,000 Pelican case. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, Omega's got the resources. They probably have, I I, I should say I'm certain, but maybe I'll just say I'm almost certain that Omega's got entire, like an entire team dedicated to preparing packaging I'm and sure, i'm certain they do but you know you look at you know use pricing box and papers is two thousand dollars when you're spending it on you know yeah. the power five yeah yeah so, so anyway doing that which is not to say we've, we're gonna have anything like omega packaging in fact we've gone with a less is more approach on on that but still there's knockoff pelican cases yes yes that <laughs> we got the ones at harbor freight uh, still, there are things you have to do, and and so that's I'm learning a lot of new things, and but but it's all kind of extra, right? It's like in addition to my normal life, and so I'm just feeling I'm feeling overwhelmed. Many irons in the fire. Yeah, and that's, they all, they're all about ready to come out. That's right, that's right. And and I've also speaking of irons, picked this week to forget to do dry cleaning. Uh, or like my laundry on my shirts and stuff. So in addition to that, I've been like ironing every day, which is just a thing that I don't do. I haven't done it in years. I just take my shirts and stuff to the laundry and then I get them back and they're ready to go and then I wear them. Um, but I didn't do it last week. And so that's just added to the stress. That was the straw. No. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Ironing, ironing shirts. Uh, yeah. Andrew. Andrew, enough about me. This is like, what? how are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. <laughs> Andrew, how are you doing? I'm terrific. I'm not busy. I am on vacation, sort of. I have like a brief break in vacation where a day that I couldn't take off, I have to go back for. So mm. over mm-hmm. 16 days, I have to work one. 
It's a huge tragedy. Yeah. And it's at the football game. Yeah. I, I, well, in addition to my normal job. So it's going to be a very long day. Uh, but other than that, I'm on vacation. It's awesome. My hair's growing. My face is itchy because I'm not shaving. And I'm just hanging at the house, getting all the things done. that I'm like, oh, I need to take care of that. Oh, I should do that. And a lot of people use vacation to like chill. And and Sam has been like, dude, you need to stop doing so much because you're on vacation. I'm like, no, no, no. This is all stuff that is like it gnaws at me when I don't do it. Like things that just look me in the eye and are talking shit to me. Like you don't have the energy to do me. And now I have the energy and the time. And I'm I'm just and the inclination. Yeah. No excuses. And I am just I'm running through it, getting all that shit done. I did see I did see your uh your shrubbery mm-hmm. was trimmed. Pretty dramatically. Turns out there's actually five small shrubs next to my driveway. Mm. Not one large zigzaggy shrub. <laughs> well, in any event, I did see I did see the shrubs were trimmed. They look very nice. I, I had to stop yard work because my yard debris bin was filled. Isn't that the worst? No, it was nice to stop. Okay. <laughs> I was I was glad when I reached like a natural limit to what I could do. Because there was probably, there was another couple hours of work that could be done. But then I would have a weird pile of debris. You know, I've got these, I've got these plants in the front yard. They grow to be, what, 10 feet tall. Mm-hmm. But in the winter, you trim them back to two feet of stick it's just two feet of naked stick but then they grow to these you know giant 15 by 10 foot tall super luscious giant bushes there's flower nicely too it's incredible but then you know the winter you cut them back but that is so much material last year it was i think four or five full yard debris containers so i have to like trim them over the you know and that's with no leaves or anything that's just the the sticks that you cut back so i have to like (laughs) it's every two weeks on yard debris so i have to like cut them over like a month and a half two months i i get out my little chain my electric like chainsaw my like 10 inch bar and just drive it down into the yard debris bin to try to break it up (laughs) and further compress everything yeah You, you know uh i i could get a a a pickup or a trailer or a chipper, maybe. I don't know. But Ooh. Yeah. If, so if you'd be down with storing a chipper, I would go in on the money with you. <laughs> but where would we put the chips? You have you next year yeah. you have so much space to put yeah. an appliance like that. Andrew. Andrew, we are yard debris be damned. Wood chippers. Wood chippers. Be damned. Future other things. Uh, spoiler. Uh, what, what what do you say? Uh, uh, this is a teaser. This is a, a teaser. for. <laughs> we're foreshadowing a future other thing. We're going to be getting a wood chipper. Uh, we're talking about watches today. We're there. We're talking about watches today. Lots, lots, lots of stuff to talk about. Yeah. We're, we're going to we're going to span. We're going to span the entire gamut of price ranges styles mm-hmm. type of content because we found a lot of good a lot of good stuff that we wanted to talk about in the last couple of weeks and 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 frankly Andrew I'm here for it I'm here for it I was just going through I was just going through our list 
refreshing myself on the things. This is going to be a fun one. I agree. Are you okay, Andrew, if we start with our favorite Japanese company, Seiko? I think we probably should. They get the honors. And talk about a watch that came out. This is a line. This is a line of watches that actually was unveiled, I think, two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the the 60s presage, I would call these dive style watches mm-hmm. that Seiko introduced in their presage line a few years back. So uh, obviously Seiko is, you know, increasingly compartmentalizing its collections. You've got prospects. Yeah. You've got presage and, and really sport. And, and yeah, well, if and the five the Seiko spin, that's right. Everything fits in a box in a way that it maybe didn't not all that long ago. Mm-hmm. So these presage sports watches came out a few years ago. They're clearly dive style watches. They're pretty sporty. But within that, they're not pro-spec prospects, prospects, prospects. They're, these are, these are fancy watches. They're, they're fancy. They, these kind of feel like the precursor to King Seiko releases. Well, and, and right, these are clearly based on, on a Seiko of yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. These are vintage inspired specifically from the 1960s straight out the catalog they've got you know classic styling in terms of the markers but these don't feel to me retro uh in the way that we sometimes you know like perhaps the q timex or even maybe to some degree the the prx these don't feel like purposefully retro these feel like modern watches, but based on 60s design cues, these sector dials. They um, feel very Laurier, right? Very modern iterations of vintage watches. Maybe a little bit more updated than than Laurier, but they, they've done a good job reinterpreting, but still holding on to that design language. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And and the reason we're talking about these today, these so the sixties presage, what do they call these? The SRPH93J1. The J makes it cooler. Everyone knows that about Seiko. Presage style sixties collection is what they call this line. And and what we what 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 Seiko's done here is they've introduced, I think two new or three new watches to these line, to this mm-hmm. line. So one of these is that sector style dive watch. I'm going to call it a dive style watch. Um, yeah. That they've introduced with this beautiful, beautiful white dial, cream dial perhaps, ivory maybe, with a burgundy bezel. The bezels on these are the inserts at least are thin and and precise but also classy um i really like all three of these new iterations they also appear aligned <laughs> they've got a stealth style which is a black bezel on pvd case 
And then the open heart, which uh, I'm, I'm not going to go for an open heart. They've introduced mm-hmm. in a blue on blue. Yeah, big pass. Yeah, I mean, I like it as much as I like any other open heart. I, These I, are very nice. <laughs> which is not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't like the open heart. And, and I think, I don't know. It's weird to have a, a partially covered open heart with a subdial. It's kind of cool to have a floating subdial over it. But it's kind of weird to have a open heart that is then obstructed by a floating subdial. I don't know. It's just, a, it's an odd, it's not for me. We can move right on. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think, I think open heart feels a little bit sort of uh wowie zowie in a department store type of way that, that turns me off. Yeah. But, but these but are beautiful. The stealth though. That is, that's good. Yeah. This, this sixties design on that stealth dial with not guilt, but like, it's certainly not white. Yeah, paint. It, it, on, it's like a little the, bit uh, of a khaki yeah. color. I was going to even tend towards like brass or bronze, like just a touch of warmth in there. I think that's the same color on the bezel on the bezels for all of these. Is that sort of bronze khaki type of color? It does it for me better on the on the black than any of the other colorways, though. So these are all super <clears throat> affordable. Uh, 600 bucks ish, 500 500 bucks between 500 and 600. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so nice that the euro is on par with the dollar now. We don't I need know. to do math on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I'm inclined to the to the maroon because or the the burgundy bezel because it comes on a bracelet, but these are all pretty neat. Uh, leather natos, meh, mm-hmm. meh. There's something there though. I, I like a leather pass through. I I have I I've had my moments with leather pass through. I I'd be all about a PVD bracelet. I'd pay an extra hundred bucks. I think. What do you want to talk about, Andrew? Oh, so I want to talk about, and this is actually this is going to be part two to the Seiko release because there's something happening right now, and and I think we see it, but we're gonna use Seiko's release and a Spinnaker release kind of the foundation of why we think this. So Spinnaker has a new Hass diver. It's H-A-S-S, which you got to really emphasize the second S. Because so, then, then if not, then it's just like, has, hey, hey, Hass. Or a new Has diver. But that's not it. It's <laughs> not a Has diver. It's a Hass diver. Uh, and Spinnaker is an interesting brand. Yeah, we, we've had... Uh, we, we had, gosh, I'm blanking on his name, the the brand founder from Spinnaker and I had his name, ABA. and then you said you forgot it. Uh, oh, um, I'm so sorry, Mr. Tulani. Right? Nope, that's a different guy. It doesn't matter. Well, it does matter, but Everett's going to look it up real quick. Uh, so Spinnaker's dropped a new Haas diver, and they've come in a couple colorways. They come in a black. They're calling it a kelp green a blue and a yellow and the green is the green that everyone knows it's that it's it's not quite jade but it's definitely not not jade and it's a 43 millimeter 16 millimeter thick diver 300 meters water resistant with an nh16 movement and a day date this is not a particularly 
unique dive watch. It is tending large for what I want, but a 43 millimeter diver, 16 thick for 300 meters of water resistance. That's kind of like, that's the the specs you'd expect about five years ago, which is sort of where Spinnaker sure. falls in their production, right? They're a little bit behind the game because they're not as nimble a company as some of the small brands who've really been uh, on the cutting edge of design and you're right, Vishal Talani. Yeah. You're 100 percent right. Thank you. <laughs> it's uncommon for you to say that. <laughs> but here's where they've hit the nail on the head. We're moving toward tool watches that don't look like tool watches. We're getting great specced. Not exactly dressy, but the days of the monster, the days of big, thick tool watches, right? hard angles. Over-engineered. Yeah, those days are behind us, I think. And I think it's made evident by the fact that Spinnaker, who's behind the curve, generally speaking, on design, and Seiko, who's often pioneering it, are in the same place. Yeah. And I think I like that. Yeah. You, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't follow knives all that closely, but I think that there are a lot of parallels between watches mm-hmm. and knives in terms of, uh, you, you know, their respective craft industries, um, the, the, the populations that have, have been created, the communities that have been created in buying and supporting these small owners. I think there's there's just a lot that you can, there's a lot of parallels you can draw. And, and I think a similar thing is happening in knives, whereas five or six years ago, um, everything was over-engineered. I think that's a term that gets used in mm-hmm. knives often. Um, and, and and sort of m- more and raw and, and all these all these phrases that you might use to describe these things. I think you're seeing a similar thing happen in knives where um, there's a bit of a, it's not something that wasn't happening before, but you're seeing a bit of a callback to more classy, more elegant uh, streamlined quote unquote gentlemen's knives. Um, But yeah, streamlined sleek. And, and, And I think that the same thing is happening in watches. We're seeing a bit of a, a bit of a, a maybe market correction or or mm. design correction to things that are usable and things that are like actually reflect the the type of activities that most people are going to spend most of the time doing uh, or or using these things for. Right, most people are going to use their watch to go to the office while wearing khakis and a polo, right? So let's let's make watches that are are more suitable, more more purpose built for those types of activities. I I think that there's some perhaps slippery slopes there, right? Cuz mm-hmm. you know, we're we're now we're seeing a resurgence of pragmatism perhaps. But and I think the Pelly 39 is an example of it. That's a far more appropriate desk diver. Mm-hmm. It's not quite specced like the full size. 
but it's really damn close. That is in the realm of the modern man's appropriate one watch. Mm -hmm. It can do anything that he is going to do and do it well. So, so question for you though, Andrew, is the 39 millimeter Pelagos, uh, is that Dockers or uh, rubber sold uh, uh, floor shine? Like, <laughs> you know, is this, is this problematic at all? I mean, or, or is that something that comes in the future? I mean, are we with with sort of this new focus on pragmatic, I'm going to use that word, pragmatic watches, are we in danger of seeing, you know, 90s fossil, like, is, is that a thing? 90s fossil what? Well, I don't know. I'm just saying, are we, are, are, is a is a 39 millimeter Pelagos a, a potential bad omen for, for watches uh, or, or, uh, you know, for our 60s style, not really a diver diver. Is, is that a thing that could potentially signal the beginning of the end of serious watches again? Uh, maybe, but I think when you look at what the, the Pelagos is doing in 39 millimeters, it's still sleek. It's still titanium. It's not specced the same as the full size, but it's still coming in as a baller tool watch. I mean, obviously, I I love that that, watch. But it's going to outperform a human, right? The full size is going to outperform a human. Maybe it's just a tailoring to like, we actually don't need a thousand meters of water resistance and a 46 millimeter case with 16 inches of thickness we definitely don't need 16 inches but 16 millimeters of thickness maybe it's tooling it back to say look we've done the the supercar we also recognize that the supercar is not exactly realistic let's dial it back and still engineer things that are going to be able to outperform you it doesn't matter what you're doing at the risk of at the risk of being hypocritical here it isn't part of what made made the Pelagos so great is that it was bombastic and, and extra and all, all of these other things. But even as bombastic and extra, it still wore like a dream. The design on it didn't make it feel like a huge chunk of metal, you know, between the titanium, the case shape, it, it didn't wear like a, like a pro plof. Sure. Sure. Well, Fine. I think there's something here. I am excited for it. I'm excited for tool watches to get more into the realm of reasonable and attractive and wearable. Fine, you know, fine like, Andrew. Like, like, like Doxa. Like that's an unchanged brand. People are coming back towards that kind of well-specced, yeah. minimalist, not exactly dress watch, but not exactly tool watch look. Yeah, you, you know, Doxa is a watch that I oftentimes think about buying, and I think you're the same. And I yeah, think I'm a lot of people when they look at Doxa is like, do I want the 300 or do I want the 300T? I, I personally am Team 300T. I'm T all the way. And, and and I think this is kind of a similar conversation. You, you know, it, the 39 millimeter Pelagos and the and the 
the OG blog is obviously a little bit different in terms of how they relate to one another, but I, something about the 300 T feels more authentic to me than the 300. Yeah. And it's going to outperform me. I will be dead at the bottom of the ocean and my watch will run for 40 more hours because of all the thrashing. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew, did you see that Timex introduced a couple of new Pan Am pilots watches? (laughs) I sure did. And I'm excited about it. You you know what? I asked you if you've seen it because I'm introducing the topic. But in fairness, you actually sent this to me. I did see it. And I'm for (laughs) it. Timex is is doing a thing right now, man. And and they slowed down a little bit this year, a, a little bit more than I would have expected because Timex has done a lot this year. It felt like they might lean, like like be ready to uh, really lean in and go hard. Yeah, I thought they were going to go way hard in the paint this year, and they haven't, which is maybe a good thing, right? They're they they need to to really ride their momentum, but they're doing some cool shit. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I think that's right. So so spoiler alert well it's already been spoiled timex introduced two new very i gosh dare i say kind of boring but in a delightful way in an iwc way and i'm going to use that really (laughs) intentionally because these are super classic watches these look like iwc marks yeah uh, so blue dials, sunburst, and each of them bearing at the six o'clock a Pan Am Globe logo. One of these is a three-hander, day-date three-hander with a Pan Am logo where the letters extend outside the globe. The other is, uh, the other is a what is it? It's not a chronograph, is it? Yeah, the other yeah, is a chronograph with a fully encased Pan Am logo inside that lower register. That lower register has got to be seconds. Yeah, yeah. Hard to read, though, <laughs> for because I don't think that the Pan Am globe uh, circles really correspond to points on a <laughs> clock. <laughs> it's a little bit a little bit silly but so i've got a question about these because mm-hmm. uh, these are delightful and and they actually look really well made the case backs on these are fucking ridiculous in a good way um the it, it looks like the finishing is all really good the, the looks are kind of funny but but other than that i think hit 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 all the way great onion crowns the, yeah the lugs are a little bit funny here's yeah. the Here's the question I have. How did Timex secure Pan Am IP for these? Because as far as I know, Pan Am has been out of business for, I don't know, 50 years. Uh, who knows? I mean, Timex has Snoopy. Timex has. Oh, but Snoopy is a brand that exists. Pan Am went out of business in the, I don't know, I, I the they 70s paid, they maybe. They probably paid 20 bucks for it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the the... Timex does super cool collaborative. But normally with a collaboration, you're getting money. Like Timex here is invoking, uh, uh, as, as far as I know, an extinct brand. 
I yeah, I, I think and there's some interesting questions about the use of IP. 2024 will be Time X Pan Am Airlines. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah. With directs maybe. to Las Vegas <laughs> only. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Uh, I, I have questions about the about the IP use. Maybe we'll have to get Tony from not from Rescapement. Yeah. Tony you? from Hodinkee on to talk we'll about this. We'll get back there. This is a, a really cool revitalization. And I think it's so neat that Timex, of all the brands on the planet Earth who are associated with air travel, hmm. where the Timex is not, of all the brands right. who hang their hat on aviation inspiration that timex is the one who does a pan am pilot's watch this is cool and and i'm i don't know i i wonder when timex is going to start moving up market because this is this is going to be wear and feel like a 200 dollars watch because it is yeah it's that's 179 dollars for the three-hander 219 for the chronograph well, I mean, arguably, they have moved up market. I mean, Timex... Yeah, they're in $200 range right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the flag Timex flagship, what? 50 bucks for a water barrier? 10 years ago. Yeah. It, well, yeah. I mean, 10 years ago, Timex flagship was like a brass, a plated brass expedition. And then, you know, with Waterbury, they really started to tap into... Uh, the collector. I, I think Timex is right where it needs to be and right where it probably should be. I, I do think you're right. I think at some point Timex is going to start introducing some uh, some watches that people are going to going to you know some people perhaps are going to scratch their heads at, but other people are going to be like, here we go. This has been coming. I mean, they, they they're doing it. They're about to fill the void that Seiko created. You, you know, some of their more expensive releases in the last handful of years, like some of those heritage releases, I I, I think were kind of misses, and so. If they're gonna mm-hmm. have to, they're gonna have to figure out how to go. It, it's a treacherous road because Timex has such a legacy of being affordable, like imminently affordable. Two hundred bucks still today in twenty twenty two. Two hundred bucks is a lot of money. It's not to sneeze at. Yeah. So, but one hundred seventy nine bucks for that that three hander. I, I I would really dig that three hander if it weren't a day date. Mm-hmm. And it had that 4:30 date window that the chronograph has. Uh, I'm, they disguise that 4:30 date window really well. I'm down for the day date, but yeah, I, I understand it's not super popular. I I just don't need any more day dates. I like day date. My pilot watch is a day date, and it and you get the full you get the full day. Yeah, Wednesday. When did Wednesday? Yeah, it says you, you get all of it. <laughs> Uh, what do you got? Is today the fourteenth? Today is the fourteenth. Wednesday the fourteenth. Wednesday the fourteenth. Wednesday the fourteenth is what's on this Timex in this article. There we go. How about that? Did this come out today? How about that? Uh, no, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> they were just ready for it. They were just prepared for us. Yeah. Thank you, Warren and Wound, for publishing that article. <laughs> in with us in mind. Uh, well, since we kind of teased it. Rescapement's gone. Yeah, didn't we? We talked about this, right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. A little bit, but 
but the the September fifth, Tony Trena's post is up. Rip Rescapement. Turns out he hated the name, but he's over at Hodinky, <laughs> and. Congratulations, Tony, by the way. Yeah. Dream job for all of us lawyers who are moonlighting as watch content creators. Because I think that it, maybe it was just me and Tony, actually. It could just be you guys. <laughs> I hope all, it's just you guys, if all, we're being honest. All the entire community of lawyers who moonlight as watch content creators is extremely jealous. And I feel confident that I can speak on behalf of that entire community. <laughs> Yeah, we are all extremely jealous. Congratulations! Um, I think this is. Co- I think it's a cool move. I think it's a cool move for Hodinky. I think Tony is the type of of content creator. I, I know that phrase is kind of you hate it, even whatever. as you say it. Yeah, uh, but but I mean, ultimately, that's that's maybe a, a very, if not vague, uh, an accurate way to describe the things we do. Um, I think he's the kind of guy that a, a brand like that should have. You know, he's this guy who has talked about everything, everything, style, vintage watches, modern watches. Um, and, and and he's he's proven his metal grassroots gorilla style. I, I think seriously, uh, th- that's who we want more of at Hodinkee. We want. Less of whatever. It sounds like Hodinkee's made some changes. I, I I approve of at least two of the changes I've heard of in the last two months. One of those being the addition of Tony Trena. Good job, Hodinkee. Congratulations, yeah. Tony. Good grab. We've we've liked Tony for a long time. Had him on the show. Had him on the he's show. A great guest. Super I think smart he's, dude. I think he's our first other outlet call out. Perhaps, yeah. Mm-hmm. He had us on his website pretty early on, uh, the podcasts you should listen to, mm-hmm. in which he said they're new to the game, the new players. They, they are be, as funny as they think they are. <laughs> they, <laughs> they maybe need to stay where they're at because they talked about Omega recently and it wasn't very good. I can't. He, he did say that. <laughs> he said kind things, but yeah. I remember thinking like, oh, okay, we've got to, we, we, we don't know as much as we thought. We And... No one does. Yeah. We're being fair. Yeah. But I think that's a cool move for him. I'm bummed to see the escapement chapter close. But I, I think I can't imagine him coming on with Hodinkee without being able to retain that ideology. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. So I don't think there will be any kind of journalistic or investigative compromise with him going to Hodinkee. I hope. Oh, well, I, I mean, I frankly, I, I've said this privately to people. I've said this publicly. I actually think Hodinkee is, without a doubt, the best publication, the best watch publication there is. It just is. They've got resources. They've got brains. They've got access. And, and in having those things are able to bring really oftentimes clever, oftentimes uh, charming content. So say what you will about the way they sell watches, um, the way they use their their media to, to sell watches for themselves. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, without defending them, I'll say it's, it's tough. Media is tough today. 
but notwithstanding that, they still create the best content on the watch content on the face of the earth. They I, just I don't do. disagree. What I'm saying is that Tony Trena is not going to be compromised. He's going to remain Tony Trena of Rescapement, now of Hodinkee. I think you're right. And I think it's a good, exciting move. What I meant to say is I agree with you, Andrew. That's what the fuck I thought. <laughs> <clears throat> Can I talk about a couple of Hamiltons? Ooh, you need to. So I I don't uh I don't know how long ago. Again, I'll just vaguely say I think two or three years ago. Hamilton reintroduced the, well, they introduced the pioneer, the khaki pioneer um, W10 watch. This isn't the watch I thought you were going to talk about. Which was a, at the time that it came out, I remember thinking, that is a very charming and small watch that is maybe too true to its source material. And the reason I thought that is because this is a 36 millimeter tonneau cased W10 watch, right? Mm -hmm. So much like the dirty dozen watches that preceded it, this was a pretty faithful W10, including the size of the W10, which was 36. I remember thinking at the time, 36 is tough. And of course, now here we are, whatever, uh, four, it. two to four <laughs> years later. Uh, and, and 36 is very much in the conversation, very much in the conversation. It was maybe ahead of its game during its release a couple of years ago. I think they were, I think they could see the trend and they were just maybe a little bit too quick to it. That's right. That's right. Now, being a W10, being a military inspired watch, this is a watch that was made back in the 60s, 70s, with a black dial. The, the, you know, I think that these were made by Hamilton for just a few years for the British, for the Royal Royal Air Force, I think. Um, and, and, and so this is a black dialed watch. This watch is nothing besides a black dial. This is a black dialed watch, period. But And, and so Hamilton released it in a black dial, and, and that's, that's appropriate and right. They've just now introduced a white and a blue dial watch. And my first thought is, oh, no, you didn't. And then, uh, oh, okay, these look really great. I am all for that blue dial. I might be into a blue dial phase because I am about it. And this is the watch you know and love. Diminutive, though. Right, this this is the, this watch you are accustomed to seeing at thirty eight to forty millimeters in, you know, a dozen other brands. Yeah, sure. You know, I think CWC's even is at forty one ish. Yeah, I could be wrong, but and, and, this and of, is good. And, and and of course, the, the I think that they did nothing to this. I mean, nothing is different besides the dial colors. Well, right? and they changed the strap. It's just sure dial and strap colors to match. Yeah, yeah. Not a white strap because that'd be gross. It's a it's a RAF gray. Yeah, yeah. But and then a, a really lovely navy to accompany the blue. This is money. I I I have come very close to this watch because I want a tonneau case. Like I want this watch. I just don't want the price tag on it because they're not they're not expensive. Yeah, what they're right? they're, they're, they're like nine hundred bucks. Uh. Where is it? I think the that Pioneer was like eight fifty when it came out. Eight hundred and forty five dollars. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I'd like a bracelet option. 
Well, but they're fixed lugs. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm going to bitch one way or another. <laughs> you will find a, I will find a reason to complain. Um, 845 bucks on a strap, though, is a little bit hard for me to swallow. And I know all the reasons it's $845. I know Hamilton's finishing. I know this is an $845 watch. Less yeah. than this, you're stealing it. And in a thousand dollars that you're overpaying. Yeah. That's an eight hundred forty five dollar watch. And these are twenty one twenty eight oh one dash two, the H yeah. fifty or whatever. So eighty hour power reserve. Yeah, the, this is a this is a wear it every day, take it off on the weekend, put it back on Monday or whatever watch. Uh although you should just wear this over the weekend too. Yeah, this is a this is what's the water resistance on these? These are it, well, I I think they're a hundred actually. Uh, you know, not it's a it's a pilot watch, so not not meant to be dunked. But but Hamilton does a good job with these in specking these like a modern watch. I think. Yeah, just uh, and also I think one of one of the parts that I like about it the most is it's just a lightly textured mm-hmm. dial that gives a little bit of depth, a little bit of color bounce without being like sandpaper. Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of the sandpaper dial. Uh, this does it in a subtle way. Yeah, it, it's refined in a way. You know, I, I I agree with you, Andrew. I don't like the big chunky, granular dials that were popular a couple of years ago. I don't need it to look like my truck bedliner. That's right. I don't <laughs> yeah, want it to. In fact, bedliner dials. That's yeah. a good. That's a good term for that. I, I I'm I'm here for it. When I first heard about these, I was like, that mm, doesn't make any damn sense. But but it does. Turns but out. it turns out the entire hobby makes no sense. And within that, these make just they make sense just fine. Can we talk about another Hamilton release? Sure. What What do you got? So, Hamilton has their PSR, right? Their space watch, mm-hmm, their mm-hmm, first LED watch, which has a better battery life than the original. Uh, in red, right? <laughs> because it wasn't the wasn't the. It was short. It was the like, pulsar was like eight days or something it, stupid like that. Yeah, it was like <laughs> it also came with a sleeve of batteries. Uh, so it's been in red. Because the original Pulsar was was red. Yeah. Now, available in green. And we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about this, but I think I think it's a cool release. I think having the green and red, so with originally starting with red, moving to green, keeping exactly the same specs, exactly the same design, but just moving to a different color LED, I think is fun. And I actually like the green a lot. Yeah. It's like super... 80s 90s like like a dos screen the red always looked like an instrument Mm -hmm. the green background looks like it i don't know i feel like it should have been green all along as much as i like the red yeah 745 bucks yeah i I mean what do you think of that because because to me i think that's a lot of money you've got You've got a number of watches that sort of do this same thing. So Armatron, Armatron has their Griffey. I think the Armatron Griffey is like forty-five bucks. <laughs> You've got the Bull of a Computron, which is four hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You've got the Yema, uh, Yema, whatever their I'm not LED watches, yeah. which is I, I don't know under three hundred bucks. I think so. You've got a number of watches that are doing very similar things with, with the Griffey being, you know, a bit of an outliner in terms of its affordability. 
this is a, a, a different thing. In this, you're... This isn't like a watch purchase in the way of I like this. This is a good watch. Because if, if you just want an LED screen digital watch... Right, the I, I would I would argue that the Bulova is really your best bet. That's the one you get, but the heritage associated with this this link to the history of this watch mm. and the history of digital watches, the history of LED, not just watches but LED. I can get down with the seven hundred forty five dollar price tag, red or green. I like green better, but. I can get down with this. Well, I'll I'll say uh, I have with with no reservations uh, of those four that I've just mentioned. This is by a very wide margin my favorite aesthetically. Just just top down. This is the one I like the best. I like the Bulova the best. I love the angle. I think the Bulova is a little much for me personally. Um, and, and 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 I also really appreciate the heritage. I assume I assume without knowing having not handled even a single one of these watches that I've just mentioned, that the build quality on the Hamilton is superior. It must be. I would think the Hamilton is a slight step down and everything else is a whole floor below. Mm. You'd say the Hamilton's a slight step down from what? Or I mean, the Bulova is a step down from the Hamilton mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and everything else is a full floor below yeah. or more. That that would be my right, guess we're coming Because well. we're coming out of Hamilton. Hamilton's finishing his top notch. Mm-hmm. In every regard, they're not gonna they're not gonna kick a, a piece of shit out the door because mm-hmm. they just don't. Right? That's just not how they do business. Well, and Hamilton makes a lot of watches mm-hmm. for a hundred and you know two hundred to five hundred. So the mm-hmm. fact that this is so much more, I think they probably pumped some some quality into it. I'm sure that bracelet is dope. That bracelet looks so good. Yeah, I'm gonna sneeze. <laughs> well, in any event. <sighs> Hamilton PSR now in green. Now in green. So two Hamiltons, neither one of them, uh, two Hamilton iterations, iterative Hamilton releases. Mm -hmm. Andrew, what do you got next? Mm. Oh, I've got one. Can I talk about one? Yeah, we have a lot to talk about that we haven't talked about. (laughs) So uh, Monta. Oh, yeah. Monta. I'm gonna I'm gonna say for, well I guess now for the second time. So a few years ago, Monta released the Noble. And the Noble was Monta's first foray into a, a pretty drastically different design concept than than they'd done before. Monta's one of these companies, similar to Laurier in some ways. Uh you know, there's a number of companies that are sort of doing different watches that all feel very, perhaps very, that's, that's the same word, but more. More emphatic. That's smart. Uh, they're very similar to one another. M- Monta had, at that point, released four different watches that were all, you, you know, you'd have to kind of like, well, what's different? Oh, I see. That's got a bezel. Or, or oh, oh, it's a GMTN. So Monta released the Noble, which was like, oh, okay, this is different. I can see what's different. It, with that said, case was very similar still. I mean, it was like, okay, this is still, you're doing the same. This is more of the same. I'm good with it. More of the same. Uh, Monta just released their new SkyQuest GMT. And although this is 
very obviously still Lamonta. I think more so than they've ever done before. They've really modified the design language of what's come before. And they've done so in a in a compelling way. I think this new SkyQuest kind of shorter lugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've changed the case, which is like horrifying because now all the bracelets aren't one size fits all. Maybe I think it's the same bracelet. I'm I'm almost certain this is the same bracelet. I would say this is a little bit sportier. It's much sportier. This is a more sporty, and and by sporty, I think it's fair to say this watch feels very Rolex Maxi. Okay. Do you think that's that's? I accept. Okay. More of a more of of a of a big proud bezel. It's um yeah slightly more uh pronounced and inset markers. This watch feels very kind of like I don't want to say inelegant because looking at this, this all still feels very elegant, but but more like kapow. Mm-hmm. It's it's just the opposite of what we talked about. It's a more tool watch. Yeah. It's more rugged than its predecessor because the 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 previous SkyQuest was really an atlas with a bezel. Yeah. It was a, a dressy sport watch with a bezel with a GMT hand. Right. And now we have a GMT master. Yeah. <laughs> It's unfair. That's unfair to Monta. But this does feel like they've moved in that direction. They've moved into the slightly rugged but still refined. Right. We're not talking James Bond refined. We're talking like any other spy. Just just a rugged dude. Clive Cussler. Or yeah. not Clive Cussler. Dirk. Jack Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Because Clive Kessler's the author. He's an author, yeah. Dirk yeah. Dirk Pitt. Is it? I don't know. Like this is this is very much a watch that you can see somebody putting on who's like, I do these kinds of things for real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like this is this is very watches of espionage. But still eleven point eight millimeters thick, which is refined. I mean, there's not another watch in this class that comes in under 12 millimeters, I don't think. I mean, for 2100 bucks, I think that you can get these on pre-order. There's not another watch in this class that comes in under 12 millimeters. GMT. 2190 for pre-order. It'll be 2435 for full retail. Which is in line with everyone else at this finishing and point. You know, Justin came on the show a few years ago and we talked about this a little like, you know, prices have gone up. And at the time, I think that they were at like 17 and change and maybe 2000, like right at 2000. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, we, we've got to get our margins up. We, we've slow rolled the margins, but we've got to get them up in order to be a successful company long term. So we all knew this was coming. But yeah, I think 2400 bucks is an incredibly fair price for what you get here. You're getting a Salita GMT. You're getting, I mean, really best in class finishing. Yeah. These, the 
comparing this finishing and whenever I go to any kind of watch meetup, I always bring the Atlas just to compare its finishing against anything else that's there. And they are never best in show, but they're never last. <laughs> and it, it, which, I mean, Monta's doing a cool thing at this yeah. price point. Yeah, you know, uh, my triumph, much much like your Atlas, is is the watch that I kind of compare others to. That the thinness of that case at, at you know right at eleven millimeters, I think just under that actually. Um, or ten eight, I could be wrong. But I think yeah, I think that might be right. Um, you, you know, that's that's sort of become the watch I met. You know, I, I measure that other watches that I might purchase against that. I'm like, oh well, twelve five. Not going to happen. 12 2? Hmm, yeah, I'm not into it. You know, it, it's like being aware of of that triumph at this point has jaded me a little bit because I really enjoy how thin and elegant that watch is. And I, when I look at other watches in that vein, in that sort of dress sport, I want them to be thin. I want them to be thin. And you just can't find it. I, I mean, they... You know, well, you can't find it with money that you're willing to spend. That's right. Yeah, yeah. you you got to get up to you know, looking at almost five figures to get that kind of a package. So it, and the comparable finishing because that's the other yeah. thing is we're not just talking about. I mean, we, we're Monta fanboys. You all know this about us because they're they're worth it. Yeah, you, you know, I I think your your next stop, perhaps Tudor. You know the 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 BB line you're you're getting you're getting there, you're um, getting there in finishing, but in in dimensions you're still getting chunkers. Uh, Aquaterra, you know you, you're mm-hmm. you're you're there, um, but yeah, I mean you're getting into the big three, big four. That's that right. Point. Yeah, that's right. And, and and then beyond that, I mean, what you're talking like, you know, maybe Chopard, you know, you know, yeah. you you you've got to go big, you know, Cartier. Uh, You've got to really go big to get into that type of, of watch. So yeah, the, the they're bringing the full package at at just a just a crazy price point, and yeah. we both put our money where our mouth is on this. Yeah, this is they should pay us for how much we fanboy over them, <laughs> but they don't. But they don't, unfortunately. What do you got, Andrew? Mm. I have an idea, thought, article. So, um. Time and Tide. Oh, Time and Tide. Did an anti-flipper launch of the Bamford G-Shock 6900 BWD. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, honestly, <laughs> Whatever, Time and Tide. I really appreciate the thought, right? Because we have lamented the flipper... Sure. Thing. Sure. Here on the show numerous times. You know, I bought a Q Timex because of the flippers. Right. I saw it available on the Timex website. They hadn't been available for months. I just bought one because I didn't know if it would ever be available again. Their idea here was to only allow at this time and tide event. They did the release of the watch at the event and capped 
the purchase quantity at one. So mm. not only did you have to be at the event, but you could only buy one. And those were their restraints for the flippers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the problem remains that there's still only the watches that yeah. were available there. Yeah. I mean, it, it, look, it, and it, maybe well, it's it might be clever. It, it feels to me like one of it, it feels to me like one of those, uh, you, you know, oh, uh, seven, you know, Brigadier General bullet points. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is a thing we did that we can say we did. But but also it's actually just a piece of chewing gum in the six inch hole in the Hoover Dam that's not likely and, to stop anything. And, you know, I I really like it's this. It's a great scene, by the way, yeah. Vegas Vacation. I really like this watch. It's a cool 6900. I like the two-tone strap. I like the colorway. I like it a lot. But the when I was, when I saw that, and I and I started thinking about the, the flipper world and watches as commodities and, people queuing to get the the moon swatches and the like I think about Q Timex is coming in at 500 bucks and the exploitive predatory you know I I I don't actually have this watch in hand yet but I did buy it because I used a bot on time factors to get this watch for 400 bucks and now it's I thought you just broke your glasses now it's 900 bucks on eBay, but I don't have it in hand. And it bugs me that we enable this kind of like predatory flipper market by buying these watches at these price points rather than their, like, I, I want the company to make money. I would, I would rather... Smiths cost twice as much. Then Smiths make their money, and then some dude who creates a bot to buy Smith's watch also make his money. There doesn't need to be like three or four people making money. Yeah. No, when we've I buy a watch. We've talked about this, right? Like uh, uh, the the standard capitalist model dictates that prices should be determined by way of the meeting of the supply and demand curves, right? Yeah, not and, the asshole who can, who can procure the supply. That's right. And so when we look at, I mean, the, the obviously certain watches, I think the, the swatch, what do we call these? Moon swatches. The moon swatches. I, that's an anomaly, right? In in many that many ways, that was a swatch failure on so many levels. You know, I, I'm not sure I agree with that, but it, it doesn't matter because it's kind of an anomalous. It, it was a phenomenon, right? Yeah, it and, was. and and perhaps still is. And, and so that it, it was one of those you know unicorn items, and and I don't know that swatch could have ever understood the amount of demand or or even to the extent they could have could they have ever created the they never could have met the supply they never could have met it so so that's different but but then you look at a company like rolex well well certainly that that's that's been a constant thing for at least 10 years right mm -hmm. and, and so there's 
a problem with the, the typical capitalist economic model would say there's a problem with pricing, right? They've created this cottage industry of gray market dealers who are getting rich with, with no, with no need to be ethical because they're, yeah. and, and so th- there's value in, in the company pricing. You say Smith's, uh, Smith's Rolex. Where my mind always goes because all I want to do is buy an Everest from yes. the website the day it releases it's impossible and then on eBay they're all $1000. And of course Smith doesn't want to be that company that says, well, these watches are worth more not because they're worth more but because the demand is high and, and you know nobody wants that and and I get that piece of it. Um but that that it does create a certain amount of balance in the system, right? And and, and ultimately those prices would be lower. So I think you're onto something. I do think that in a situation, perhaps let's, let's not pick on Rolex because poor Rolex, but uh, you, this you know, is a perhaps, nonprofit. You can pick on them. <laughs> perhaps with Smiths, you, you know, bump your prices. Like say, you know, uh, until we've got our demand in control, these are more expensive. I'm sorry if you want one, this is what you pay. Yeah. That's it. Like until we were able to control supply, you're going to pay more. Halios, maybe the same thing, right? Halios is another perfect example. Yeah. But they also have an issue with supply, like not just actually like how much they make, but when they make. Right. <laughs> um, I there's one there's one more watch, Andrew. There's one more watch that I really like to talk about. Are you okay if I talk about at least about just Ross? one more watch? So I actually recently I've been saving up for a watch. I've been saving up for a watch, but in you don't know which watch though. No, I do know which watch. It's just going to take me a long time. So Especially like, when you buy, you know. It, when King I impulse Seikos buy King shit. Seiko's, that's yeah. right. So uh, I've been saving up for a watch, but now I've got like some money. I've got like. A, Uh-oh. I've got a little bit of money hanging it's out. Itchy. And I get this thing. My finger is just doing the thing like, you know, like. Uh, so I I found myself looking at Bell and Ross. Uh, yes. Bell and Ross is the BR. 03, I think 92 or whatever. Um, the the big square Bell and Ross's. I, I ultimately decided I actually don't want this watch, but then you sent I knew me this would get your dick hard. And that's why I sent you this. <laughs> you sent me this time zone uh forum post of a BO BR 0394 multimeter. And it's multimeter, actually, is the th- word. <laughs> this watch is Fucking nuts. This is as smart watch as you can get without getting smart watch. That's right. It's not smart. It's it's dumb. But chronograph watch with a pulsometer, asthometer, a tachym, tech, tachymeter, a second tachymeter, and a third tachymeter, all on a dial, all in this lovely shades of like lime green, kind of a coral. God, it's fucking gorgeous. PVD I don't black do case. any of those things, and I want this watch. This watch is nuts. So so this, I, I think the reference on this is BR0394 multimeter. It's a 42 millimeter ceramic. It's not PVD, ceramic case. And I, shit, man. Oh, it's so good. So these are there'll be a link to this because you may you may have trouble finding this based on our terrible description. Um, it, you know the BRO three case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they only made 
500 of these. That's a limited edition of 500. And so they're probably not going to be super easy to find. Um, but holy shit. I actually have a reference here, Andrew. If you give me a second. BRO394 dash CBL dash 03013 is the reference on this. And I'm kind of smitten, it, my friend. I immediately thought of you yeah. when I saw all of the options because this is a slide rule that you mm-hmm. don't have to learn to use. <laughs> this is the toolest of tool watches, and it doesn't look like it. It it looks just kind of like a rainbow colored chronograph for just the sake of, right? Yeah. But then you kind of look at the concentric circles of tachometers. Yeah. Tachometers. Yeah. <laughs> and they make sense. The subdials are really beautifully integrated mm-hmm. into these tachometers. You lose something, mm-hmm. right, in mm-hmm. your in your big measurements. Right? This isn't a great stopwatch. Yeah. Because you're losing about 50% of each subdial. Sure. What you gain, though, is four really reasonable, really usable tachometers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and you know, this is a watch that would make Max Bell or or perhaps even Dieter Rahms cringe, I think, because uh, maybe not Dieter Rahms. He might be, be into this. Like, this, this it, it's not... There, there is nothing, not a single millimeter of this watch that suggests even even whispers elegance. Right? Mm-hmm. This is almost the opposite of elegant. However, this is an Apple Watch without any of the power. By way of it just being ridiculous and over the top, and and also kind of sexy. It's man, it's I'm there for it. Well, it's the BRO three, right? Which is yeah. a I think it's a guilty pleasure watch for yeah. everyone. Yeah. Maybe. I don't think anyone's ever looked at the O3 and been like, no, I don't like you. <laughs> Everyone, you know, this everyone's is, like, well, it's like 41, 42 millimeters, right? Mm-hmm. With like a 24 millimeter. I mean, you put this watch on and people would be like, well, what's that? It's stupid. Yeah. But everyone's also really. Yeah. A little, I think you ought to be at least. If a, you're not, you should maybe just take some, take a gander. Second look, maybe. It's a GFY like, watch for sure. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, knew I don't know how much these cost. They probably cost about $8 billion. Yeah, there's only 500 of them. They're yeah. probably five figures. Bazil- $8 bazillion is how for much these are. Exactly. I knew you'd like this. I liked it. You did me good. You did me proud, Andrew. Andrew. It's fucking sexy. We haven't done it. We haven't done it. Is there anything that you're dying to talk about? Ooh, one thing, and it's going to be quick. So as everyone knows, uh, Tom Brady and Giselle, they're in a bit of a tiff. Is that true? I didn't know that. Yeah, Giselle left. I, I hadn't heard that. Tom missed 11 days of practice, which turns out to actually only four practices. I have a theory. Uh, so Giselle recently released a IWC Portofino uh you know, peace because she's an IWC ambassador. That tracks. Tom might also be affiliated with IWC, but but 
the TB12 is available through Tag Heuer. So my theory is that they're actually not in a tiff over him not retiring at 43. They're in a tiff over their brand ambassadorship and him still not being, still being affiliated with uh, Tag Heuer and her being affiliated with IWC. This is a very compelling theory. I'm very... <clears throat> it's there. There's something there because she, she left you know, just a short time ago, but I, I'm pretty sure it's watch related. Uh, other than that, um, I'll, I'll link to, you know, her recent release with IWC, but that's it. That's all the things we covered all. Well, not all. I, I think just in the last couple of seconds, I've removed about half of what we intended to talk about. <laughs> I'm just closing tabs, closing tabs. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in, in that event, in that event, Andrew, other things what do you got i have another thing i'm prepared i watched thor love and thunder <laughs> i watched thor love and thunder and i watched it to screen it for mark mm-hmm. my seven-year-old because mm-hmm. that's a thing that i have to do is to like he gets scared by things i'm like oh i'll just watch it and it's not that i didn't want to watch thor love and thunder but it is that I wanted to make sure that it was going to be at least like not horrifying for him and like be problematic for me. I don't know. I'm going to have to watch it again. On first viewing, even while I'm watching it with Sam, she's like, are we watching a Mel Brooks movie? (laughs) Yes. Uh, I mean, maybe. And I was like, hey, you're not wrong. Yeah. Nothing about this movie made sense to me. It, it, it doesn't make sense. It was it, in, 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 I would say a good way, but it was wholly unlike any other movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. We have breaks in the fourth wall. We have weird, weird things. Mm-hmm. We have pure satire, like mm-hmm. like intentional breaks in the fourth wall via satire. Mm. Things that like don't really make sense to the movie for the intention of satire and like nigh on slapstick comedy. Mm-hmm. Very slapstick comedy, yeah. And, and as I'm watching it, I was like, I was confused right because the mcu has up to this point taken itself maybe too seriously at times and 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 maybe that was kind of the goal was to lighten the lighten the load i'm not saying i didn't enjoy the movie Mm. because i enjoyed the movie and it was fun but i was also very confused by the movie yeah it sits at 64 percent on rotten tomatoes which is low which is low, 77 on the audience score, which relative to MCUs is low. And I think it's because it had like a bit of an identity crisis. Everything was intentional, right? There's no part of that movie that's like, oh, we did that. Awesome. I think it was just, I enjoyed it and I think you should watch it. I think it was the first Marvel, like, true miss. 
it was just weird. I'll they tell couldn't you. figure out what they wanted to do, and they did it because they tried to be all things to all people. They so, just missed. So Taika Waititi, a.k.a. Taika David Cohen, New Zealander, mm-hmm. and in my opinion, notwithstanding Kiwi. that fact that he's a Kiwi, notwithstanding that fact, uh, I'm going to call him an American treasure. Uh, <laughs> Taika Waititi is brilliant. Uh Maker of Jojo Rabbit, but mm-hmm. also notably maker of Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok, which was amazing, was a fantastic film, and 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 I think that you see some of the same traits as Thor: Love and Thunder in Thor Ragnarok. However, Thor Ragnarok was a more restrained version of that. Now, I think it's fair to say we just talked about him that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, I would say, in its, in its, it's, it's, it's sort of sunsetting, right? The MCU proper has sort of played out. Yeah, now we're moving to spinoffs. We're moving to Phase 5, which is like, we've established the foundation. We need to spin offs like, like Moon Knight, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And the, what's the, not the Invincibles, the, the Incredibles? No. That's a different thing. Yeah. Immortals. Here, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a different, I'm gonna take a different tact, Andrew, because I think Thor: Love and Thunder is almost, almost a perfect movie. I think it does everything it set out to do. I think it's delightful. I think that the storyline flows. I think that it carries on with things that we've already learned in a way that feels familiar and comfortable. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's ridiculous in a way that I really appreciate. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I loved the characters. I loved the comedy. I loved the tone of the movie from start to finish. I just thought it was really good. And and I would say even more than that, the story is surprisingly complex and and the outcome is, I mean, the actual outcome is acceptable, but it's, they do a good job getting to where they get. It, they do. And that was why it was so confusing because the, it, it was this, it was a great story start to finish. They didn't keep you on your toes, right? We're not talking M. Night, Sh- M. Night Shyamalan, like, no. what the fuck? No, no. We're talking a, a totally acceptable story arc that you mm-hmm. can anticipate without feeling like you've spoiled it for yourself. There were just so many things that didn't make sense to me. It Sure. If I, I, I don't have a word that I'm trying to describe. It, it was confusing. I'm going to watch it again. I liked it. I'm saying you should watch it. But I'm also saying, like, prepare yourself. But also, what the fuck? Yeah, prepare yourself for, like, what? 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 Andrew, I've got another thing. Do me. I, so I had, a, I had a bit of a crisis. So last October, I Weird. bought a new computer. Mm-hmm. Um, a new work computer. Because I needed for a computer. And in doing so, I traded in my old computer, got a new computer. This is how you do it. This is this is the way. It is the way. Everyone knows. That it is known. So I have this, br- like, basically brand new computer. I've got this M1 MacBook Pro, yada, yada, yada. It's fine. It's great. Everything's good. 
until one day I unplug the USB-C Thunderbolt cable, whatever, and I pinch the cable in between the monitor and the computer, and I hear a crunch. I, I open everything back up. Everything looks fine. I close it. Go home peacefully, blissfully. Nothing, nothing the matter. Get to work the next day. Open my computer up, and I've got a LCD break. And you know, it's one of those you got vertical lines or horizontal lines. It's fucked. It looked bad. It, it it's bad. It, it's 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 broken. So I, I normally use my computer in a dock. So it wasn't a total crisis, but it was also like, all right, I got to get this fixed. Um, there's no, you, you know. Simply Mac was our authorized Mac store here in Eugene, and they filed, I think, Chapter 7 a few months ago. And oh, so, so there's no Simply Mac anymore. Um, Best Buy is a Mac repair center, but because Simply Mac has gone out of business, Best Buy is overwhelmed, especially in this area. So it's like two weeks out. Because we're a college town and we have. Right. Yeah. So you're like two weeks out for a service on a Mac. I can mail this thing, but this is, I mean, this computer is my entire professional life. So I do have a server access and we've got online. Most of our file and stuff is online. So I can do most of what I need with whatever. Um, but I still have a lot of stuff on this computer that I use regularly. Least of which is, is this show, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. So I got to figure this out. So I, I go out and buy a new computer. I'm looking for a 13-inch MacBook Air. I can't find one spec the way I need it. So I wind up with uh, a MacBook Pro, a new MacBook Pro. Ooh, new inbox. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I get a brand new MacBook Pro so that I can send my old computer to get repaired. So now I'll have a backup computer. We'll have like, oh, it'll be the house computer, whatever. Whatever. Anyway, that's a different story. Um I'm just thinking of your office and all the monitors that are up. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a true thing too. So I I get this new computer. With the new computer, I realized that my laptop sleep won't work. I've had a 13-inch computer for years. Ever. For years and years and years. And so now I've got a 14 and a half inch, 14.4 inch computer, and it doesn't fit in my laptop sleeve. So the sleeve I had before this was a a sleeve by a Swedish company mostly known for their like car racks called Thule. I think it's Thule. It, I, I'm pretty sure it's Thule. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a hyphen over the last E. It, I, yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, but I've got this Thule laptop, 13-inch laptop um, sleeve, and it, it's always served me well. It's fine. It's good. I got a new, bigger Thule laptop sleeve. And in looking for this thing, I thought, well, should I just get the same sleeve for the bigger computer? And I looked at laptop sleeves, and I don't think there's anything else on the market that really does what this does as well as this does. And it occurred to me, A, I've never talked about this laptop sleeve, which I do think is probably the greatest laptop sleeve on earth. You like lament. You wake me up to pick up your laptop sleep when you forget. Right. <laughs> right. So now I have a, no, a new one for my new computer. And a Swedish company and brand that owns a collection of brands related to. We're maybe playing too long. This might be transportation a. Products. How do you say it? You may think it could be Thule or Thule. 
But no, for some reason, probably because it is a Swedish company, this is to be said as truly... Damn it. Damn it. That's a straight victory. Uh, uh, we've, both had, we've both had a positive, like a fully W tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So this, so they call this the Thule, Thule gauntlet is what this is called. Uh, I've now had this in both. It's a fucking beast. 13 inch and 16 inch. And I don't think there's anything comparable in the market. <laughs> it's relatively affordable. I mean, these aren't cheap, right? This is, I think they're 50 and like 65 bucks. This is 66, 65 bucks, but it's also protecting a significant investment. Yeah, that's right. It, I've got a $2,000 laptop in it, so 65 and bucks is it's fine. it's not a Pelican case. Yeah. It's, no, this thing fits inside my coach briefcase and like, and I've got a tiny little coach briefcase. This thing fits in there. No problem at all. You don't have a tiny coach briefcase. That's well, pretty small, but it's, it, it, it's not like a big, like, yeah, it's a briefcase still. It's not like a, a lady's shoulder bag or a messenger bag or something sure, crazy. Sure. It's, it's certainly more robust than the like silicone padded sleeves. Right. But not by much. I've always been shocked by how slim and armored that case is. Yeah, and, and it's not quite hard hard sided, but it's also not 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 not. That's right. So, I, as the owner now of two of these, a repeat customer, if you're looking for a laptop sleeve, the Thule Gauntlet highly recommend. And we all say Thule correctly. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Andrew, now we've done it. Of course we've done it. Is there anything you'd like to add before we proceed to the next segment of the show, which is the end? I'm out of things. Hey, uh, you, you at home, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast. Why don't you check us out on online? watchclicker.com also on instagram at 40 and 20 or at watchclicker look we we post cool shit we get great articles you can also check out our our website or our, our youtube watchclicker youtube that's where will posts all of his really really well done videos one of the best in the game if you want to support what we do you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20 look this it, this all costs money everything costs money we're, we're here basically for free because we love this and we love you, uh, but it still costs money. So if you want to support us, we'd really appreciate it. Patreon.com slash 40 and 20. And we're going to be back next week. So don't forget to check us out next Thursday for another hour and 23 minutes of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>